0: Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Amen. Okay, well, I'll start by saying I am super excited to talk about this because if you talk to me outside of anything or at at work, at school, within five minutes, I will bring up that I have a passion for Mormons. It just kind of goes where I go. So I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you about this. I always ask this because I'm super curious. How many of you have friends that are members of the LDS Church or Mormons? Okay, okay. Normally, it's a lot less, and that was still quite a few. So this is exciting. How many of you have a pretty good idea about what the LDS believe? Ish? Okay, okay, this is good. We're off to a good start. When I was your age, I had zero knowledge about who the LDS even were. The, the term Mormon was so far in my vocabulary, it is something I had never even heard of until I walked into public school in Airdrie, and they were everywhere. You could not escape Mormonism in the slightest. I was the odd one out in my high school. The fact that I ascribed to even just a different belief in general singled me out when I was in high school. Okay, so before we get into this, also, I want to apologize because Mormonism is very, very hard to track with. You will get lost at some point in this presentation, and I wish you wouldn't, but I mean, it's been five years for me, and I still get lost and confused as to what they believe. There you go. Oh, okay, (laughs) lovely. So... All right. And also ask questions, because if you get lost, I might not be able to help you, but I'll try. <laughs> so the church report- reported membership as of last year was huge. <laughs> Their church is forever growing. And I will tell you this, the majority of that of that number <laughs> right there, it is mainly North America. The majority of Mormon members, LDS people, are in are in the US, and then they are actually in Mexico. Mexico is a huge hub for them as well. And that's because they believe that everything that happened in the Bible after Jesus died, he came to North America to do the exact same thing, basically, give or take. So to them, that's why it's very huge. They actually believe that the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. kind of an odd concept to think about. (laughs) So how many of you have seen any of these buildings, any of these people before? Yeah. You see them a lot in Calgary. Calgary is a big hub for Mormons. Okay, so before we get into what do they believe, it's really important to understand where it started from because it, it starts us understanding that it's a little bit confusing. So in the year 1820, oh, it's probably up there. Yeah, okay, roughly 200 years ago, Joseph Smith was 14 years old, and he was really confused about what church he was supposed to be a part of. He was having a spiritual crisis, if you will. And in James 1, verse 2, I believe somewhere in the book of James, it mentions that if anyone is not unsure of what, of what people they're from or what nation they're from, they're to pray, and the Lord will answer that prayer. He took this very literal, and rather than it understanding it was addressed to the 12 tribes of Israel, he prayed, and he truly believed that God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared to him, And told him that he needed to wait and not join any church because no churches on earth were true anymore. They were too corrupt. There's too many divisions. Don't join them. And at the very end of all that he ended with God the Father ended with we have work for you to do. Time goes by. (laughs) Three years goes by and Nothing really happens with Joseph Smith. There's no more visitations. There's no more anything until one night he is visited by the angel Moroni. Which is, there, is that, Yeah. So that angel on the bottom there, you'll see it on top of all their temples. Every temple in the world has that angel on top of it. That's the angel Moroni. So this angel visits him and tells him that his his job that God and Jesus have given to him is that he's supposed to translate the Book of Mormon and that somewhere in upper New York, the Book of Mormon is hidden. And it's written on gold plates, and those gold plates are in the ground, and it's his job to find them and to translate them. So through various other visitations and several unsuccessful attempts, in 1827, okay, in 1827, on September 22nd, he discovered the Book of Mormon. And uh, Mormons believe that the plates that he discovered aren't, f- aren't able to ever be seen or found, because his wife doubted that that was his calling, and that's what he was supposed to do. So God hid the plates from all of humanity because of our doubt. So it's already a little bit kind of sketchy. Suddenly the plates that Joseph Smith found, no one's ever seen them, and no one's ever been able to find them, even though he spent three years apparently translating them. So in 1830, the Book of Mormon is fully translated into the English language. Uh, they believe that it was written in a script that kind of resembles Egyptian hieroglyphics. That's what they claim. So this is where Mormonism is birthed, basically. 1830, it spreads. And it spreads because in this year, Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith believes that John the Baptist visited him once again in a vision and told him that it was his job to spread the one true church. So often you'll hear Mormons say that, oh, we belong to the one true church, or we belong to the Restoration Church. That's truly what they believe. And they don't necessarily think that we're wrong they just think that we don't belong to the true church they'll tell you that they have the whole mirror and after the death of jesus the mirror broke and we all got given a piece but they have the whole mirror still that's kind of where they're coming from okay so this is kind of a, a rough timeline of where the book of mormons believed to be written this angel moroni the book was Sorry, let me just back up here. Let's talk about what the Book of Mormon is and what's in it. The Book of Mormon is believed to be written around 6 AD. Yes. (laughs) Roughly. Somewhere in there. Anyways, (laughs) this book is a really sacred text that basically (coughs) details Jesus' experience in North America. So after he died, he reappeared in North America, and it was written then by the angel Mormon, who was Moroni's father. I don't know, if you're visual it might help, if you're not, this is just going to get you lost. Okay, so it's a spiritual book with information about the ancient people, Yeah, we talked about that. And they will always tell you it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That yeah, the Bible happened, but now this, this is what Jesus really wanted to get across. We talked about the golden plates and the several unsuccessful attempts, already a little bit suspicious. Okay, so here's the fun thing, because every Mormon, when you ask them, are you Christian, they say, yeah, we're, we're all Christian. And you kind of have to, the, okay, I'll tell you a story first. The first time I encountered this, I was floored, because I didn't really know what Mormonism was, and it definitely was the Holy Spirit discerning that for me, but I knew they weren't Christian. There was something really off. But I, I've never really had much of a f- many fights with Mormons, but this is the one fight I had because I didn't understand what they believed. But when they told me they're Christian, I'm like, well, why? And I was told that, well, we believe in the virgin birth, and it's right there in our name. I'm like, okay, but why are you Christian? And they're like, well, it's right there, it says it. We're Christians, you're Christian, we're Christian. And it was a really touchy subject because I was just trying to understand, but there's walls right away when you try to tell them that they're not Christian, or you try to confront them and ask them and press into that. Like, it's a great thing to press into, But never, like honestly, never just like go up to them and be like, "Yeah, you're not Christian." It's really damaging because that's their whole identity. They truly, truly believe that they are Christians. Okay, so basically, they claim Christianity as an adjective since Christ is really vital to their theology. Um, But they've only ever self-labeled themselves. They believe that there's this umbrella term and they fit under it really nicely. And we as Christians have never adopted them into that umbrella or agreed with them. The language that they use sounds very similar to our language. The words that they, they say and how they preach, it might sound like they're using words we know like God the Father or Atonement or whatever. I mean you name a word and they have that same word in their belief, but it's twisted and it's not it's not what we have it, meaning in our faith. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay, so who is God the Father? This is now into what they believe and it's about to get really messy and really confusing. And I will tell you this what they believe is constantly changing. They have what's called the prophet in the office or the office of the apostle, and that, that office is able to change because he has a direct line to God, their theology. So every year it constantly updates. It's actually updating this weekend. It's their general conference and they'll be given a whole new set of rules that they are to follow and a whole new set of things that they are to ascribe to. Okay, so they believe that God was once a man, that he was flesh and bone, as human as, as y- you or me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, he became God when he died because he lived a really, really righteous life. A little bit problematic already because then who created man? If man had to die to become God, like who created man? It's, it's very flawed. <laughs> they believe that every LDS member has the opportunity. To be God if they leave holy enough lives. Kind of strange. (laughs) So they again, very touchy subject to bring up with them, but they believe that there is a bunch of other people who are God, and we're almost in a little bit of a simulation, and somewhere else in the universe, someone is also God of that planet, and it just keeps playing out. So we talked about yeah, God in, in heaven, God is also flesh and bone in heaven. Very much. He is God, but he is human while he is in heaven. A little bit problematic, because the Bible is very <laughs> clear that God is not made of flesh or bone, but that he is spirit and truth. Because we're human, and humans have desires and wants, he got married while he was on earth. So a man that they believe is God is married to a woman, and they call her heavenly mother. But the thing is, there's God, and then there's heavenly mother. She's not God. And she's never to be seen as God. And it's another thing they won't really talk about because it's very touchy. Because it brings up the conversation, how come women are not able to be God? And they try to justify it, and they try to kind of tuck it under the rug in general. But to them, um, women don't hold the same authority that men do in any way. And so there's no possible way in the LDS faith that women could ever be God, so they can't hold her to that status, but they do believe that she's married to God. Okay. So they have a book, and it's called Doctrines and Covenants, and it's also... So they have four sacred books. I'll mention that. They have the Holy Bible, which they believe is no longer pure. They have the Book of Mormon, which is their most sacred book. They have the Doctrines and Covenants, which really, if you have friends that are Mormon it's probably what's in their insta bio it's basically a giant book of proverbs a little bit and how they're to live their life and they pick and choose which ones they want so we have the pearl of great price which is how they justify what the bible contradicts it's almost a it's it's kind of their solutions that they've invented as time has gone on to where they find their faith contradicts they just put it into the pearl of great price and explained it in there Yeah. Okay, so Doctrines and Covenants. They believe that God the Father has a body of flesh and bone as tangible as man. And that's written right into their faith. They're different than us. Okay, who's Jesus Christ? He's 100% totally separate from God. Nothing about him is God. I mean, to us, we have the Trinity. And that is at the core of our faith. That is very fundamental to the Christian belief. And to them, we have God and then we have Jesus Christ, and then we have the Holy Ghost. And the three of them exist completely separate from each other. We also believe that Jesus was what they call a spirit child. So he was born to his heavenly parents, to God and to his heavenly mother, and he was the eldest brother. And one of his brothers was Lucifer. So again, we see it contradicts our Christian faith. And they do believe in the virgin birth, but they believe that Mary was a virgin, even though the parents of God, sorry, of Jesus, were not virgins. So they'll still tell you that they believe in the virgin birth, but Jesus was formed through God and Heavenly Mother having a child and then sent to Earth. Okay, this is the really tricky part because their salvation is very messy and they will tell you that it's, it's through their faith in Jesus that it's through grace, or it's through obeying, um, whatever. But it's very, very tricky to be saved. And the reality of it is there's three possible spots that you could qualify to go. So you might be saved, but you might only go to the fir- this third level of heaven, or maybe the second, or maybe the first. So to get, they all want to get to the very first level of heaven. I mean, logically, yeah, that makes sense. Who wouldn't? So some of the things that they need to do is they have to start by believing in Jesus Christ, they have to be baptized in the, in the LDS church, and ideally at the age of eight. They don't accept, I mean, when people join our faith, we don't really say, like, they joined or they converted. Like, we don't constantly refer to them as converts, whereas in the LDS faith, that person is a convert for the rest of their life. Like, they will always, I mean, I have friends who, in their Facebook and Insta bios, it's not member of the LDS church. It's convert to the LDS church. Like, you don't get equal status because you converted later in life, Rather than being baptized at the age of eight, they also believe that you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost through the laying of hands with person with a, from a person with priesthood authority. Somebody who holds priesthood authority is normally a man between the ages of seventeen and really, I think, till around eighty. They can die with it, but often it's passed after when they're coming to near the end of their life. So again, a woman can hold priesthood authority, and the Bible is very clear that we have the priesthood of all believers. So what that means in a more in a more uh, let's go with the tangible way, it means that me as a woman, I do not have a direct line to God. So say we believe in the laying of hands. So say someone's sick, and I want to lay hands and pray, I can't because I don't have that connection with God because of who I am. Or let's say, I mean, I'm sure many of the guys in this room, I'm sure you're not all 17. You would not be able to pray for your family, for your friends, because you're not of age yet. You don't hold this priesthood authority. So we couldn't pray for a blessing. I mean, Andrew prayed for a a blessing, I believe, when we got up here, that my words would be God's words. Someone else in this room couldn't have done that. Like, you're not allowed to pray on behalf of other people if you don't hold the priesthood authority. You can speak to God, but God might like they kind of teach God's not going to speak back if you're not of a certain status okay the other thing they have to do they have to endure the tests of life on earth so because which sounds okay reasonable but because they believe that they're spirit children they almost believe that life here is kind of a hell that this is what they have to go through to get back to get back into heaven and how they endure it will tell of their character And if they endure it poorly, then it's going to affect where they go. And if they endure it well, they're going to get sent to a higher level. Follow the teachings of Christ and the apostles. Okay. Keep God's commandments. Okay. Repent of their sins. This one's a little bit tricky because they say that they repent of their sins, but yet their sins are carried with them through life. So yes, they have to be sorry, but they're not forgiven. God's not necessarily going to forgive them because at the end, it will be weighed against them. They also have to undo any wrongs they commit. So again, that emphasis on good works. And then they have this thing, which is the ultimate goal. And it's their individual salvation, which is called exaltation. And that is when you become a god. And that is what every LDS member, well, male member is striving to do, to become a god. The holier of a life he lives, the more likely he is to become a god. Okay, so this is just something in their Articles of Faith. And it's, we believe. Through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Does anybody hear anything kind of off about that? Yep. Yeah, what do you hear that's off? You can <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> uh, well, the atonement is already enough to take care of that by itself. Yeah, like so it's kind of a tricky uh. thing to navigate. Is there, is there anything else in there that sounds a bit off to you? Okay. Yes. It's by obedience of the laws Yes, exactly It's by obedience So it sounds a little bit nice at the start That first sent- sentence kind of sounds inviting We believe through Christ and all mankind All mankind may be saved But then it's by obedience And it's not the same anymore <laughs> So just to contrast that Ephesians 2, eight: For it is by grace you have been saved through faith And this is not fr- from yourselves It is a gift of God so a gift, freely given. The Bible's very clear that it is a freely given gift. That it's not by our obedience, it's not how well we do in this life. It's a gift. Okay, this is where it also gets messy. The afterlife for them. So again, they believe that they're spiritual kids and that when they come to life, they forget their spiritual life. So basically, when you cross a border somewhere in space, you forget everything and you start over in life. You come to Earth, you live your earthly life, and then when you die, you either go to paradise, which is basically automatic heaven, or you go to a spirit prison. Not fun, but if you're familiar with the term purgatory, that's basically where they think that people who are not LDS will go to learn about what it means to be LDS. And then we have that odd outer darkness blob, kind of down on the bottom there. The only people who go there are basically murderers and people who apostatize. That's the only people who will go there. They truly believe that everybody has a second chance at salvation. That when you or I die, you, yeah, that's really throwing me off, guys, for some reason. When we die, God will stand before us, or somebody, an angel, whoever, will stand before us and be like, hey, Book of Mormon's real. You're now going to learn about it? Do you want to learn about it? And if we say yes, we go to maybe the second or the third tier, and we learn. If we say no, we go to outer darkness. Like... They really have put a big emphasis on this second chance at salvation. So I don't know if I have a slide on this. No, we don't. Okay. So the top one is the celestial kingdom. They believe that only God the Father and Jesus and the best Mormons in the world go there. So to be one of the best Mormons in the world, you have to follow. Oh, oh we started over. You have to follow everything I listed but then you also need to be married in the temple and you need to be, your wife needs to be of equal status, okay it makes sense, but if, if you two are not sealed for marriage in the temple, you absolutely cannot go to the top layer, like that's just a write off um, they also put a big emphasis that your, your children need to be baptized by the age of 8, that is your parental duty and your children need to be sealed in the temple, basically the better your family, the more righteous it'll be for you in heaven and the better experience you're gonna have. So again, another problem with this, God and Jesus can never leave this kingdom that's in their in their faith, but yet they always claim that Jesus has left and God has left and they appear to people and whatnot, but then they also claim that they cannot leave this this place. Yeah, the other two, you kinda, it, yeah, it's school. You basically go to school to learn about the Book of Mormon. That's what they believe there. Okay, the biggest issues. So we've already kind of highlighted a lot of issues within their faith, but let's talk about some of the big ones. Okay, if God is separate, Jesus is separate, and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is separate, you're no longer a monotheistic religion. You are worshiping multiple gods. And the Bible's very clear, Isaiah 43.10, There is no God after me, and there shall be no God before me. Like, there's multiple references. I think I have them up there. There's multiple references in Scripture where the emphasis of there is one God is highlighted. God is not man. John four twenty four. That one is the one I believe that's... Oh, no. Someone look it up. <laughs> so, thanks, Katie. Okay. Well, Katie's looking that up. They believe in the spiritual world first, and then the physical. And I cannot remember the reference for the the life of me but it is there's a verse that very clearly states first there is the physical world and then the spiritual world not the spiritual world first but the physical world first and I can't help but wonder when God wrote that verse or you know was whatever however you want to look at it was that who he was thinking of like was were Mormons a part of that verse being put into scripture like I really wonder that do you have the reference Katie Yes, please. John four verse twenty four. Yes. God is spirit, and his worshippers worship in the spirit and in truth. Okay. So God is spirit. God is not man. They are constantly adding to their beliefs. We talked about that. Whoever's in the office is able to change things, update things. I'll give you an example. The term Mormon is now no longer a part of the vocabulary. It's dying as of twenty eighteen. They have, dis- the person in this office has decided that it t- takes Christ out of their name, even, even though like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, whatever it was, they claimed that God wanted them to be called Mormons. That was in their like written right along there, that's what God claimed. And now they're saying God's claiming we can't do that. Um, another example I'll give you really quick about how things are changing. Um, Mormonism has been very strict in the past about that LGBTQ+, however you want to label that, is not welcome within the LDS church. Very, very strict rules about that. As of maybe six months ago, they've changed that because Mormonism is losing members. And people are literally writing in their, rec- their resignation to the church because of their stance on the LGBTQ. So now they are saying that they're welcome. And God says that they're welcome to come and we'll baptize their children, but we won't baptize them. And, but God's changed his view. Like, it's just kind of off a little bit. I just don't believe God changes His mind. Okay, um, they've added to the Bible. We've talked about that other books. There's other references. There's no second ch- er, there's no second. Okay, this one should be rephrased. My bad. It says that there's no second chance for redemption after death. That's what we believe. Again, Mormons believe in a second salvation. They believe our body is of flesh. Oh, sorry. That they believe our body is of flesh and bone in heaven, and when Jesus comes the second time oh sorry that's what we believe <laughs> we will receive resurrected bodies okay so that's what we believe Mormons believe that, my bad Mormons believe that when we die or sorry like Jesus has already let's address this in two parts Jesus has already come back the second coming has happened to them and Jesus is very much of flesh and bone and when we die and go to heaven we will be of flesh and bone okay only men can hold the priesthood authority we talked about that okay so how do we where's my time at actually how are we doing Bless. Okay, how do we evangelize to Mormons? This is one I cannot emphasize enough. We overthink it, and we really complicate it. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, we've all been super, like, gung-ho to go to the nations and go to evangelize to every people group out there and every religion out there. But when it comes to the LDS and the Mormon church, we will actually say they're too far gone. And I say that because I've had people tell me, why do you feel called to Mormons? They're too far gone. I'm like, wait, what? Like the great commandment is not the great commandment unless they're too far gone. Like that's not how that works. And in my opinion, these people have a very deep desire to know God and to know Jesus, but it's wrongly misplaced. Is that not more motivation to evangelize to these people and more, more motivation to do life with them? Because they clearly want to know God. I mean, the language is all there. Where it was birthed from was basically a little bit out of Christianity and searching for a church. There's a desire, and I think that that right there should be a prompt to walk alongside them and to evangelize to them. But let's get into the practicals, because that makes life a little bit more easier with practicals. Seriously, don't assume all Mormons are alike. They all have very different views on what they believe, and they're all taught something a little bit different. And every ward and every church and every bishop will teach their church something a little bit different than the church next door. And so what people grow up in may differ. Don't attack it. (laughs) Please do not attack it. Ask open-ended questions because, honestly, the reality of it is a Mormon will beat you in a biblical argument, I promise you, every single time they know the Bible better than we do because they go to school every morning at, like, 6 a.m. to learn these things. And they'll tell you that we're learning... You know it's a big giant Sunday school but it's a how to back up your beliefs because people are gonna attack them don't fight with them unless you are like a biblical scholar they know their Bible so ask them open-ended questions like seriously ask them how they feel about who God is what makes them attracted to their faith what's challenging about your faith like who is Jesus to you what is Jesus doing in your life ask them things they're your friends I mean the mo- the key in this all is to have a relationship with them and to be open-ended and to accept them for who they are and then allow the Holy Spirit to work it is not your job <laughs> to condemn them to tell them they're wrong it's their identity it's in these people's identity don't ruin it <laughs> um, yeah okay I also don't refer to Mormons as a cult because I know kind of behind closed doors that's what happens a lot and by the definitions of a cult it might absolutely fit into that definition. But that's super toxic. That word is super toxic. And so even if within like your small groups, you're going to talk about Mormons as a cult, if that ca- ever came back to your friends, you lose all credibility with them. So how you speak about people, I mean, in everyday life, how you speak about people matters. But especially when something is so rooted in the identity of someone, like Mormonism is their identity. So don't refer to it as a cult. I mean. I'm sure you would all be very offended if I got up here and said, you guys are all wrong. You're part of a cult. This is weird. Everybody would write me off right away and not care what I have to say. Be kind. <laughs> okay, last one, and this is the most important one. Share with them the amazing ways that God has radically changed your heart from the inside out. Find words to express the peace you ooh, you have now that you have your sins are now forgiven that you are right with God, that you no longer fear death or judgment, or that you have a real a real love for God. I want nothing more than to live life that pleases him. That's your testimony. And no one can ever fight that or rebuke that. And in Mormonism, testimony holds a lot of power. If you ever get the opportunity to, to listen in. I'm so over time. I'm so sorry. If you ever get the opportunity to listen in to one of your Mormon friends or go to their church, Every single time you go, someone will get up there and say, this is my testimony at the end of whatever they say. That this is what the Book of Mormon has done. That this, they will say testimony over and over and over and over. So know yours. Have a powerful one. And when I say have a powerful one, I mean have one that radiates from you. One that is full of joy and the power of God and what he has done in your life. Because to them, that's going to say a lot more than any argument you could ever have. We'll yeah. yeah.